0: Welcome to another episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. I'm your host, Taylor Burris, alongside Justin Prince and our producer, Wayne Owens. And Justin, we have a fabulous guest joining us. He is the winner from last week in the Force Dynamic Dallara iRacing Grand Prix World Championship Peter Berryman joins us here tonight. And I got to say, the performance that Peter put on at the last round, Justin, was a phenomenal and absolute dominant performance.
1: It absolutely was, especially from that entire crew with Apex Racing Team and SDK Gaming. They've utilized the speed all throughout the campaign to be front runners each and every week. And in turn, keep this in mind with the most recent round. As well loped into that, Taylor, he's one of the championship favorites now after four total rounds.
0: He certainly is, and he now joins us on the iRacers Download. Peter, welcome, and I gotta say, congratulations on your strong performance at Interlagos, as well as in this recent round at Monza. Tell us the thoughts about competing in such a high-level, open-wheeled world championship.
2: Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I mean, back in the day when the back when the McLaren MP430 was a thing. Uh, obviously, that was the, the top single-seater championship back then. So um, to now have the, the IRO1 come back, uh, as soon as from the announcement that happened, uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to it the whole time. So uh, to finally have a, another top single-seater championship on the sim is, is pretty incredible, uh, especially, obviously, after, like you say, last round to be now leading the championship. Yeah, yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a high for sure.
0: You certainly are. Looking over some of the stats from that race, you led 21 laps during the event and was able to hold off Michele Constantini and Johan Hart for the race win and by very close margins. And Explain to our listeners a little bit just how close and competitive this world championship is compared to maybe some of the other world championships that we have here on the iRacing service.
2: Yeah, I think the closest thing comparison wise uh, in all honesty is probably it's it's a bit like a super speedway uh, on the oval side of things uh, the slipstream with this car is so incredible uh, and very very little dirty air um it makes the racing extremely close um so as you've seen from the the races so far it really is huge pack racing so the the gaps and the advantage you have to try and get over people is very very minimal so um yeah, it's, it's really, really difficult. to. Uh, you're almost sort of playing a mini game within the race of trying to position your car in the right place for, you know, thinking five, 10 laps ahead. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely quite a bit different than I would say most championships, you know. Um, most championships, you tend to just sort of focus on uh, driving as fast as you can and doing the best job you possibly can uh, within the car. But uh, with this championship, obviously, multiple compounds. You've got tire, or fuel fill and things like that to, to take into account, uh, especially with the multiple pit stops throughout a race. Uh, there's so much more variables uh, and work that has to go into a race day.
1: And keep in mind, we mentioned Interlagos was round three, round four went to Monza. And from your perspective, how would you describe that race? Because it seemed like a dogfight to be the lead car at the head of the draft, it seemed, especially in the closing stages for you.
2: Yeah, I would say this round is quite similar uh, from a personal point of view to, to Watkins Glen. I would say overall, I can't be too upset, but I think deep down it's it's a little bit painful um, to be in such a good position, uh, going on to the last lap in the lead, and then unfortunately obviously losing the win uh, both times. Um, so yeah, uh, deep down I think that sucks a little bit, but I guess that's just sort of part of it. Um, it's, it's so difficult to to decide, you know, when is the right time to be ahead? When's the right time to wait? Um, sometimes, especially with the race that's just gone here, I think we we sort of caught on pretty quickly that uh, Martin's car was definitely a bit quicker in the straights than us. So, um, going into the to the last stop, we were sort of had it under impression that it would be quite easy to pass and we could position ourselves quite well. Uh, which quickly flipped on its head when we realised that it was it was the complete opposite and it was very very difficult to get past Martin um the first time I got past him he got straight back past again and from there uh like you say it's pretty much when the dogfighting started um it was really hard to set him up uh eventually uh, did get ahead and then going into the last few laps I I think I knew that Martin was always going to be a threat just with the the straight line speed he had uh I think the only real hope for for myself there to get the win was if a teammate was able to get past him uh, and create a bit of space but uh, unfortunately it wasn't the case so uh from a personal point of view, I don't really think I could do too much different. But, uh, yeah, it definitely, definitely hurts a little to, to be so close to the win on two occasions and not quite get there.
1: We've seen on a couple different occasions some of your fellow teammates did try to pass on by Martin Van Loosnord and just couldn't get the run they were looking for before that last lap move going into the opening corners at Autodroma National Monza. Now, keep this in mind... For those listening in, it was Martin Van Nord who took home the victory in that respective race. Fall by yourself, then fall by Johan Harf. In term, though, with the championship, it's tight amongst you and Johan entering the midway portion of the season, round five. What's been the team dynamic been like knowing you've got essentially four of you within the top five of the points overall?
2: Yeah, it's a a bit tricky. I I think with the four of us, uh, we all sort of respect each other and understand that uh, I think in the early rounds of the championship, we all know that it's more important to try and build points and and things like that and try and create gaps between the rest of the fields. Uh, That way, come the later rounds, uh, inevitably when we sort of have to dogfight amongst each other um, because someone's going to want to win at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, I think we all understand that try and work as a team to build the gap to, to the rest of the field. That way we have uh, a few rounds come the end that we can afford to fight each other uh, and not worry too much about losing points and things like that, as we've got a, a sort of a bit of a safety buffer. Um, I think the general goal amongst the four of us is, is obviously Martin is our, our biggest challenger at the minute uh, outside of the four of our, of ourselves. So um, trying to create the gap to Martin as much as possible is is really what we're trying to do. And, um, I've got, a, you know, hats off to Martin today, he done a, a super job, and um, unfortunately, he was able to claw a few points back. Um, the only positive side for myself, I guess, is that um, I'm able to create a bit of a points gap in the lead of the championship now. Obviously, the championship was tied coming into the, to this round, so uh, able to get a few points ahead, but uh, like you say, it's extremely tight, and I think it'll ebb and flow the whole season until the last, you know, two, three, four rounds when uh, we sort of have to start going for it ourselves. and start to be a bit selfish rather than working as a team.
1: I was going to lead towards that because there, that's always been an interesting dynamic across all of iRacing's world championships with some of the drivers who work together. For reference sake, the gap between Ben Fuller and fifth place, the last year driver's part of the grouping, Tomas Simon, 15 points from fifth to sixth place in the standings. But of course, the next race is going to be intriguing on how things in turn play out because we've seen various tire compounds come up at, say, Interlagos, but others where it's been mediums and hards. This next race, though, goes to Silverstone. Your opinion on that one?
2: Uh, yeah, awesome track, especially for this car. I think they go hand in hand as a, as a really, really one of the best combos, I would say, in in the entire service. Obviously, the car with its huge speed and downforce mixed in with all the the really fast, flowy corners. Um, Yeah, super, super enjoyable to drive. Uh, I think the race should be uh, uh, just as good to watch as well with the the long straights and the slipstream. Um, Should be another exciting one.
0: It certainly will be. We look forward to watching you compete at Silverstone. But not only are you trying to compete for a world championship with the Dallara iRacing Grand Prix World Championship, but also trying to get into another world championship as you are currently sitting third in the point standings for the 2021 Porsche Contender Series. I mean, you are all over the place when it comes to competing in the world of iRacing. I mean, 220 career wins on the roadside alone after joining the service in 2013. So what makes you be able to separate the time to where you have time to make sure to focus on the Dolora for your World Championship run, as well as make sure you have time to prepare as well as test for the 2021 Porsche Contender Series?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, yeah. Um, Like you say, obviously doing two championships, especially with uh, the gap between the both of them. Obviously, we raced the Thursday evening, Uh, In the UK for IRO1, we then race Saturday evening UK for uh, Porsche. Um, I sort of have to do my best to try and schedule, you know, this day I need to practice for for this. uh, And then, you know, these days I need to put aside to practice for for IRO1, for example. So uh, it's really just scheduling Uh, and being quite uh, disciplined within myself that I've got this amount of time to to do this prep before I need to, to move across. Um. Obviously, it's a bit of a negative side that I it cuts down sort of half the prep that I'm able to do because I'm splitting my efforts, you know, between the two. Um. But at the same time, I I think it's almost a little bit of a little bit of a, a mentally advantage if, if maybe put it that way that I I almost have to force myself to to practice smart. You know, I, I can't just run laps with with no real goal. I need to set the the time aside and have really need to sort of have goals for each time I practice and things I want to achieve. Uh, and that way I can get the best out of the time I have.
0: Very interesting indeed. And the next question for a follow-up is what made you want to compete in these world championships and get involved with iRacing?
2: Um, I think I, I started out, obviously I, I would watch F1 on the TV and things like that. And I, th- I think it sort of just grew from there. I, you know, I played the Codemasters games uh, and just by chance, I caught uh, a live stream of one of the world championship races uh, on iRacing. Uh, I think it was back when the Williams FW31 was the the top level at the time. Uh, and it just looked really awesome. Uh, and from there, I sort of just said, you know, I, I'd really, really like to, to get involved in that. And that was it, really. The hunger just sort of grew from there. And um, I just started working towards it. And yeah, pretty much as simple as that. I then obviously got the same and figured out how to get there and um, along the way, I picked up a few friends, which then introduced me to Apex Racing Team, which I'm uh, now involved with. Uh, and things just, yeah, step by step, just worked my way to to the top to where I am today.
0: Well, let's talk about your team, Apex Racing Team, which is a well-known organization in the world of iRacing and sim racing in general. What is it like to work with such a top-quality team on the service?
2: Um. I think I actually t- I take it for granted. I think I, th- I I don't really appreciate how how good I've got it. Uh, with the guys around me are are unreal uh, in multiple disciplines as well. Uh, so many smart guys. I think I'll I'll happily admit I'm definitely not the smartest guy around uh, with our team. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely a privilege to have access to to friends and guys with with the knowledge they have to to work together to achieve what we want to achieve.
0: Very impressive indeed, and as like Justin said, we're at the halfway point of the season for the Force Dynamic Dallara iRacing Grand Prix World Championship, and then we're just only a few weeks away before we determine who will be competing in the 2022 Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. Overall, how do you feel as your year has been going for you, Peter, with everything going on, especially with how the world of iRacing and sim racing has changed?
2: Uh yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with myself at the minute. Um, obviously I've sort of I've been on the sidelines looking in for the the Porsche Championship, and um, that's obviously what I'm working towards trying to get involved in now with all my teammates and things like that. Um, sim racing in general is it's it's just going through the roof. Uh, as bad as it is to say, I think COVID nineteen was was honestly the best thing to ever happen to sim racing. Really, I think that was the sort of kickstart it really needed to to get eyes on sim racing and. Uh, as you can see, things are just going through the roof, you know, the the names getting involved with uh, in terms of sponsors and things like that, prize money, everything's going up. And uh, yeah, I, I fully expect it to keep growing and growing.
0: Certainly is. Well, Peter, as we come to a close on this interview, where can people go to learn more about your career, what you're racing, both in the Force Dynamic i Racing Grand Prix World Championship, as well as for you competing in the 2021 Porsche Contender Series?
2: Um, website uh, for the teams, obviously Apex Racing Team, uh, you can go check that out. Um, you can learn a lot about uh, myself, my teammates, the team in general, uh, and what we're up to. Uh, and if you're Looking for me personally, uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, my name, pretty easy to find. Uh, it's probably the best place to to keep an eye on what I'm up to.
0: Well, Peter, we want to just say thank you so much for your time. Good luck to you at the next round at Silverstone next week for the Delara Championship, as well as for the next round for the Porsche Contender Series.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Appreciate of course, it. that is
0: Peter Berryman. He is the winner of, at Interlagos for the Force Dynamic Dallara iRacing Grand Prix World Championship. Coming up after the break, we speak to the winner at Monza, Martin Van Luzernort. You are listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media.
1: Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. My name's Justin Prince, along with Taylor Burris and our producer, Wayne Owens, as we just finished speaking with Peter Berryman, the current points leader of the Force Dynamics I iRacing Grand Prix Championship. He came in second, however, at Monza to one driver that became the first multi-time winner in series history. Martin Van Loosnord took home the checkered flag after a similar finish to Watkins Glen, making a last lap pass, diving his way through the opening corners at Monza before holding on to take home the checkered flag. He now joins us on the iRacers Download. First things first, Martin. Congratulations on being the first two-time winner in series history. What are your emotions like after finally getting back into a good rhythm after last round's disaster with the issue with the pit limiter?
3: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, this one obviously feels really good to uh, to get back to the win Uh, After, you know, hard practice, it uh, feels like, uh, yeah, like, uh, I don't know how to say it, but it's great to be here on the top step again. We've put so much effort in this one and also in the last, all the last rounds. Uh, So it was a shame that I finished 16th in the, in the last round. Um, Didn't feel good at all. Um, So this one feels, uh, feels all the better.
1: Now let's talk about that race. We heard from Peter's perspective as the second-place driver in that respective event where they felt it was difficult to try and get around you. How would you describe your vantage point since, for context, you pushed the second stint the longest out of anybody, and that compared to some of the others had about four lap pressure hard compound tires than your competitors in that pack.
3: Yeah, there was. Um, the, I think they they ran higher front wing. Uh, so it was really easy for them to follow in the high speed and um, and uh, creep up on my back. But then, as soon as they wanted to pass me, they, yeah, they could, they could bring it right next to my front wheels. But then my uh, at the end of the straight, Mark, I was just I don't know something like three kph faster, and uh, that gave me a little advantage to not get overtaking uh, get overtaking so easily. Um, so yeah. I think we uh, we both had our advantages, but this uh, yeah this this race was all about fuel saving, uh, place your car at the right right spot at the right time, uh, just like Watkins, you know. But uh, I feel like the, the higher top speed in this round was uh, was giving me a little advantage.
1: And I heard some of that discussion during the broadcast today, where some of the drivers were trimming their wings like that, and the thought process. That came in my mind as well as in some of the broadcasters' minds. Was it's the temple of speed? You normally don't hear people say, "Okay, let's reduce the straight line speed from Anza."
3: No, this is the only track I think where we go uh, quite a bit lower on uh, on the front wing, as you can only um, you can only adjust the front wing in this car, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yes. The, this this uh, in my opinion Monza has always been a track there where you have to trim the front wing but with this car only having the front wing to be able to be adjusted you 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 do want to have turn in you do want to have um, a, a lot of corner speed which can be created with this front wing so it's um really is a critical part of the car to be um, uh, perfectionized uh, I can call it that way so Um, yes, we could have gone quicker through corners with a higher wing, but it wouldn't give us the, 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 the right top speed and the car balance will change. If you had a a higher front wing in the end of the stint, it's, it's tougher to, uh, to keep the balance in the car. The car gets really oversteery and, um, yeah, we figured it was quicker for us to, to have a tiny bit of an understeery car in the first part of the stint hoping that everyone was sort of fuel-saving so it would be easy to follow. And um at the end of the stint, our car would turn quicker and quicker and quicker. And basically, I, I could do the quickest lap on the very last lap of the stint.
1: Now, with this round settled on in, you're now third in the point standings, 13 points behind Peter Berryman, 10 points behind second-place runner Johan Harth. Curious on your perspective on this, though. As you had tweeted after the victory today, where... Being hunted by four Apex Racing Team drivers, those are the Apex Racing Team and STK Gaming cars, keep in mind, gave me quite some stress, but happy to hang on for the win. And the team representation you have in the championship seems to be fitting in terms of how you've had to be in some of these races, Predator Sim Racing. How would you describe that dynamic trying to battle against those four technical alliance mates like in this championship?
3: Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy when you um, when you're looking in your black box and you see, or you know, in the timing sheets that you have four cars, basically the same team, four teammates hunting down um, just you. Um, so I could only imagine if the if they had like two cars past me instead of just one, what would have happened? They could have easily blocked, you know, the the, the whole width of the track, and I would have never be able to uh, to overtake them uh, again. So it was key for me to to keep uh, only one car that I had to battle with, and um, that worked out in the end because that gave me, uh, I think with the advantage of the front wing, it was more difficult for them to uh, to make a clean overtake, and uh, they had to out, outbrake me into turn one, or they had to outbrake me so so hard, but I was on the limit with braking, and so it made it even tougher for them to overtake and uh, luckily we all raced clean we had a really clean fight with every single one of them um so yeah i think um it's it's crazy man when you when you're out there with your heart rate at 200 bpm with these cars hunting you down and you you know you you'll get away with the win it's just a great feeling
0: 200 beats per minute when trying to battle in these cars, and this is just sim racing for those of our listeners. That just shows the intensity that these drivers are having to face. But we look, look ahead, Martin, to the next round at Silverstone a high speed but also a little bit more technical compared to Monza. Your thoughts about going into this round, and also knowing that drivers such as Peter Berryman going to have a little bit of a home track advantage, in a sense. Your thoughts on trying to continue this momentum that you've gained to where you can go and fight for this championship even more?
3: Yeah, of course. This uh, this win will 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 keep me uh, just as focused as always, and uh, I have to put the time in the track. I know Silverstone really well. I know how to drive fast. So it's just a matter of getting the setup right, and in the race itself, you know, firstly I have to qualify myself somewhere in the top five. I would be nice if it if it's pole, but it's not the uh, uh, the, the best position to be in um, in terms of fuel saving. And yeah, Peter Berryman, obviously very quick driver around Silverstone. And uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, I'll, I'll take the challenge and I'll. Uh, I'll, I'll go for it as well so it will be uh it will be a it will be a tough one who's uh who will be on a tough step at the podium
0: we certainly will it's gonna i can already tell for our listeners here tonight that this battle between you and Peter Berryman, as well as Johan Harth, is going to be one that we wish we could see in any form of open-wheel competition that we see currently today. A very exciting championship that we can look forward to at the next round next Thursday afternoon on, at Silverstone on the iRacing Esports Network. Martin, thank you so much for coming out here and joining with us for tonight. That is Martin Van Luzenoord, winner at none other than Monza for the Force Dynamic Dallara iRacing Grand Prix World Championship. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media.
1: Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince, Taylor Burris with you, along with the producer Wayne Owens, as we just finished speaking with... Two various winners and two of the championship contenders for the Force Dynamics Dolara iRacing Grand Prix World Championship. Now, time to turn things over to eNascar Competition, which recently wrapped up its Road to Pro Qualifying iRacing Series in its second round, Taylor. And that was some exciting racing all throughout the entire round. But in the end, it came down to some to the final lap.
0: It certainly did, and to join us to discuss more about this amazing qualifying series, he is the voice of the e Road to Pro qualifying series, as well as the voice of Podium Esports, James Pike joins us. James, welcome to the iRacers Download. Hello, hello. I don't know if I've actually been on the download yet, but you I know I've done
4: so, so much stuff with the network that uh it it was only a matter of time right but in in either case good to be here and and happy to talk about how the road to pro qualifying series campaign ended
0: it certainly is and pleasure to have you on and you know justin and james i want to open up the conversation to discuss probably one of the most dominant performance that we've seen out of one driver and that goes to none other than our champion from round two donovan strauss who Started off the season running with Elliott Sadler Esports, then switched over to Bobby D. Earnhardt's Legacy Esports, and just a combination of him just growing as a driver throughout these years and to have a chance to now compete in the Pro Series or the Contender Series later on in 2021 is going to be phenomenal to see what he can do.
4: I will not disagree with that. JP, honestly, I want to hear your take on this first, because I've got mine. I feel like mine's well-publicized, but I don't know if we've heard what you think of Donovan's run. So I'll leave the floor to you here, and then I'll follow up.
1: And here's the interesting thing when it comes to how things fared out with Donovan Strauss for this entire Roach Pro campaign. Because keep in mind, a couple years ago, there was a lot of uh, reputation of sorts with Donovan Strauss still being young at the time, around 16, 17 years old, he's really grown up and matured over the past couple of years to be able to perform and in turn know how to build the trucks to know what they need to be quick. And I think the main thing to consider is when talking with some of the drivers from the ESE side in particular, he built a lot of those respective trucks, he's taken as much knowledge as possible, and built himself up like a sponge. And that, along with his maturity coming together and being more refined compared to in the past, has now helped him in turn become one of the top drivers and prospects we've seen over the past couple of years. And I find the legacy part of it to be a bit of a bow on top of things because there was those conversations a few years ago involving the group. Then... Now, he built that bridge back up, and the bridge is fully completed. So it's been an incredible season for Donovan Strauss, especially with the development, especially as well. Keep in mind, doing spotting work in eNASCAR, nascar Coca-Cola iRacing Series competition, those connections have been so vital for him in turn this season to be able to know what he needs to do and
4: execute it. I think if you watch the broadcast we've done on Podium Esports, you'll probably know part of my take on this. But everything for Donovan Strauss this year to me points to year on year growth. Last year, when he came out of what was then the road to prone, he was, I think, 11th in points, no wins, four top fives, a a solid season. But, you know, certainly wasn't lights out. The way we saw you know, Mitchell DeYoung, who was runner-up only to Alan Bowes last year, is now racing for a Coke title here coming up next week. And then we get to the Pro Series, and everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong for Donovan. He was 38th in the final point standings, nowhere near the cutoff to try and make it into the Coke Series for 2021. And in a lot of the races that we've done this year, we've asked him about the learning experience of that, going from road to pro and having speed, but – uh, not necessarily being the top guy. And then the way everything fell apart in pro and how he learned from that experience, especially in the pro series to come back to the eNASCAR road to pro qualifying iRacing series and really lay a flag down. And I feel like that's so much of the story here that he has learned so much from last year to this year. You compare the stats head to head, you know, zero wins four top fives, nothing really crazy. He led what two laps all of last year, this season, Four wins in the second round, mind you, to go with the two that he had in the first round. So six wins total on the season, six top fives in the second round, seven top tens in the second round, an average finish in the final round of 2.4. In those last six races where it really matters the most, this is a very different Donovan Strauss than the one that we saw a year ago. This is a Donovan Strauss who I would be hard-pressed to believe is not a threat to go on and claim one of those final... 20 spots when we're done with the contender series this is a driver you need to watch out for and the other
0: terrifying thing taylor he's only i think 16 he's got plenty of room to grow he certainly does and that's one of the great things about this champ or this road to pro qualifying series is that a lot of young up-and-coming talent in the world of e nascar are working their way through and not just e nascar but even up in nascar i mean another driver we have to talk about who was dominating in round one, was a little bit quiet, but still definitely showcased his talent throughout round two, is Parker Oretzlaff. I mean, the the Arkham Ard Series driver put on an astounding performance all throughout round one, picked up one win in round number two with five top fives and an average finish of fourth. So he also is going to be a competitor to watch going into the Contender Series later on this year.
1: Absolutely agree with you, and here's the thing to think about now. He's going to be working with Donovan, so if in turn, both of them, I think, are going to feed off each other. And the main thing to consider when it comes to Parker Red's laugh is he had the iRacing reputation of being a short track racer for many years. And James, you know this as well. He is lights out when it comes to a lot of the short track events across the iRacing service. But it took some convincing keep in mind to have the chance to run Road to Pro in the first place. And I think he stepped up to the challenge and lived up to it. There's a reason he was a contender back in the time of the ENASCAR nascar Ignite Series and nearly won that championship the year Cookson came away with the victory in the closing stages at Martinsville. He has the talent, and of course that real-world experience is going to be very helpful if he can make it to the Coke Series level to have those connections to bring to various teams.
4: Retzlaff and Caden Honeycutt in particular of this Road to Pro qualifying iRacing series crop stand out to me in that regard. This crossover of real-world experience and sim racing experience where you've got drivers that are well-versed in both. You've got Parker, who obviously has the Arkham series starts this year. Didn't finish any worse than 12th in his Arkham Menards East series starts in 2021, by the way. Pretty solid campaign there. Oh, by the way, four top tens to boot with that. And then Caden Honeycutt who is right in the thick of a title battle with Bobby McCarty for the late model title in the Rock Carriers car store. We're starting to see drivers who not only have skill in sim, but also have skill in real life. And the intriguing thing for me, I think especially over the next say five to 10 years is going to be how We watch that crossover and how these drivers take the data that they get from real world and from the Zim and vice versa and apply it to either side to make them more well-rounded racers overall. I think it's very interesting that we're starting to see drivers who really can do both. Retzlaff and Honeycutt are the two that stand out of this crop, but I have a hard time believing they won't be the last two to come along in that line.
0: No, I certainly agree with you on that, James, for the most part, as far as the new talent that could definitely come up to the ring who have both the sim racing talent and experience, but also apply it and utilize it in the real world racing. And of course, one more thing we have to touch about is the bottom half of this top 20. I mean, we have some returning drivers that once competed in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series, such as Casey Tucker, and then a couple of, and Nicholas Shelton, and then a couple of newcomers, Blake McCandless, Podium Esports' very own competing in the Contender Series later on in 2021. But Justin, I want to start with you. What is probably the biggest surprise driver that made it into the top 20? And then probably the one that you were surprised that didn't make it into the top 20?
1: That's a good question because a lot of the drivers who made it into the top 20, I was kind of expecting based on a lot of their experience and what they were able to accomplish and especially the most value of which the respective organizations they were with that had the foundations to bring drivers at least into the top 20. But one of the bigger surprises I think overall you have to consider in all of this is, honestly, no offense to Blake, was like, because that was going to be an intriguing situation, how things fared out. He started off in disastrous fashion in round two, keep in mind, with several incidents. But then he had one of the biggest comebacks, probably in the history of Road to Pro in general. We're not talking about just this format, which is, of course, new for this season. We're talking about all the way through the history of Road to Pro, probably since its debut an exception back in 2017. To come back from such a major deficit, to find his way up towards the front from mid-pack wall find positions, which, mind you, especially in the trucks and especially in this environment, is very difficult to do if you don't stay at the front. It's hard to get to the front. But also, being one of the few drivers who thought, let's try the outside wall at Homestead. Let's try the middle line that worked for many drivers a couple years ago, most recently at Bristol. Let's try this. He was willing to find the different lines to get clean air, and drivers were honestly giving him the space, and he was making them pay. But remember, it came down to the final corner and goes into my biggest surprise of not making it, Justin Bolton, because Bolton, remembering in that same last lap sequence in split two at Phoenix Raceway, he was in the greatest position to be inside the top 20. One bit of contact costs a driver that, mind you, was doing shocking things for a driver of his caliber with how he was performing in terms of the preparation. Let's put it this way. Some of the descriptions were, oh, I got maybe five minutes in the truck the day of the race. Or haven't put in testing a couple days before. That's surprising how he was performing at that mark. But it was also surprising in turn to see Bolton not make it with how he had been a top five competitor or top 10 competitor just about every week. It was just that sort of amazement at 20th and 21st position that really sent things home, James. And I'm sure you have a similar opinion possibly on at least one of the two names.
4: I think to a point, I think uh, we'll start with Justin here. I think the story that you tell, Of the lack of track time, lack of practice time is an incredible testament to the strength of the people in the community racing trying to get into the contender series. That, yes, obviously Justin Bolton is a very talented driver, but I don't feel like this is a series now where you can just sort of walk up and even if you are the fastest thing around, expect to be able to practice for 15 or 20 minutes and make it happen. Most of the people at the top of Road to Pro were putting in Coke Series level preparation for most of these races where you were knocking out maybe a thousand, two thousand laps depending on the track and the week leading up to the race. This is the kind of commitment I think you have to be able to make in order to realistically have a shot at making contender. And it's something that I think these drivers are going to have to carry in. To the contender series, you're going to have to practice that much because, you know, the Coke series guys already had their routines down. If you want to be a Coke series driver, you have to be willing to commit and it has to be a part of your sim racing life and your life in general, I would say uh, it's it's just how competitive the race to get to the Coke series has become. It is unfortunate that Justin didn't make it and got bumped out the way he did. But at the same time, if you don't spend the time you know outright committing to it, then you are liable to end up in the position that he has ended up in where he's going to have to come back and try next year. As for Blake, I, I'm glad that we could talk about this after the fact now because if there's one thing I've learned being around Blake as much as we have at Podium, it's that Blake has a very distinct appreciation for what made stock car racing great in I would argue the rise of the Winston cup series back in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, he has studied the way these drivers attack those racetracks extensively throughout his lifetime. And you can see it not only in the way he races, but, In the places where he has the best stats. Where has Blake been at his strongest? It's been at the tracks that have been high horsepower, low down force. He was best at Rockingham, at Bristol, at Phoenix. Those are the places where he had the most speed. And you look at the finishes, they line up pretty much identically. Where did he get the most points at in round two? Rockingham, Bristol, and Phoenix. All flat tracks all places where you really do have to get up on the wheel and drive it. And the package doesn't really neutralize your talents. The more we go to places where you take the reins off, the more I think Blake shines. I had a hunch he was always going to get in. I think it was maybe a little or coincidental, honestly, that he struggled in the beginning the way he did. There was a lot of bad luck that he had at Knoxville and Homestead. It certainly wasn't his fault. I would say that he had such poor finishes there that put him in the hole. So it it was a fun story to follow. But truth be told, I always thought that he was likely to get into the top 20. I just didn't realize it was going to be as dramatic as it was. Now, as far as surprises go on the inside of the cutoff and people that I'm going to be watching closely, if for no other reason, because I really haven't seen much of this driver and don't know about him, Kyle Peddle who got mm-hmm. in 15th driver into this group. I, I can say unquestionably personally of all the drivers coming in for the contender series. I know the least about Kyle. Petal. I've seen the Jordy Lopez's I've seen the Brian Leprads, I've seen the Brian Mercurio's I've seen the Santi Tiras, the Christian Peterson's the Daniel Everhards. you know, most of the people come through contender. I know I'll be honest, Justin, I really don't know a lot about Kyle Peddle. So I'll be curious to see what he does in the contender series against a lot of other drivers. He he effectively is the one driver who's been racing in one of the few corners of the oval side of iRacing that I haven't seen all that much. So I don't really know what his ceiling is, but if there's one unknown in my book, it's him. But I I think that's also more of a personal thing, just because I I haven't really seen him race all that much outside of the contender series or outside of the uh, qualifying series and what will be the contender series rather.
1: I was about to say, He was somebody I was thinking about, too, of where did he come from? Then you find out the technical alliance backing. He has the connections in part. He's in the Nova Scotia area. He's got the connections, too, with Dead Zone Racing in particular. And he's been a longtime sim racer. So he has a lot of that experience to be able to perform pedal does. And the prime thing is he's with a team that could help him succeed, I think, to Taylor.
0: Certainly can't agree with that, and of course, we will find out who will compete in the E-NASCAR iRacing Contender Series later on, once we determine who is going to be the bottom half 20 of the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series after their season finale next Tuesday night at Texas, but quickly want to touch a little bit of the iRacing Rallycross Championship. They were over at Iowa this past week, and John Robertson, goes back-to-back victories with Subaru USA once again in the iRacing Rallycross Championship. Justin, another strong performance as Subaru has won three races so far, but John Robertson and Subaru Team USA have gone back-to-back. An exciting finish for them so far this season.
1: It's been a very dominant performance so far, and keep in mind, we talked about this with Robertson and how he picked his timing in particular for when he goes for the Joker laps. That's been so beneficial to try and come away with a lot of these checkered flags that he and a lot of these Subaru drivers have been able to pick up this campaign. You don't time it up right, you lose a lot of potential valuable points on the table, and that decision-making has been so valuable in turn for a lot of these races. Keep in mind, with Iowa, that was a pretty tricky track to try and battle around, in particular with the way the Joker is set up, as well as the particular heartbreaking zones it takes a lot of skill to succeed and a lot of practice time. And the All-Stars in particular helped Dosha showcase that preparation needed.
0: It certainly is. And, of course, the next time you will see the iRacing Rally Cross World Championship compete will be next Wednesday starting at 4.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's on October 13th as they head to the Brands Hatch Circuit. Of course, the other series that will be competing, the Porsche Esports Contender Series, heads to the Red Bull Ring and then one we're all waiting for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series finale, live from the virtual Texas Motor Speedway. Catch all the action on all of iRacing and NASCAR streaming services starting at 8:30. So for Justin Prince and our producer Wayne Owens, for Peter Berryman and Martin Van Luzenord and James Pike. I am Taylor Burris. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by
3: Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media.